0: Welcome to this month's Constitutional Corner. Today, we'll be discussing an article I recently wrote entitled Yippies, a Pig for President, and the Iowa Caucus. In addition to that, we will be praying about the constitutional crisis of states removing candidates from ballots, along with discussing the results of the Iowa Caucus. Well, welcome, everybody. My name is Dave Kubal, and I'm the president and CEO of Intercessors for America. Thanks for joining us on this first constitutional co- corner of 2024. Boy, it is a blustery one around the nation here in the nation's capital. Lots of snow. I'm looking out my window right now, and lots of snow and frigidness. And um, it is definitely winter. Winter is upon us, and it's such a, a great time to be uh, in a warm house, listening to IFA here at the uh, at, at our national headquarters, and praying for this nation at this critical time today, we we will be discussing uh, constitutional uh, crises that our nation could be facing, along with talking about the Iowa caucus, the results of that, and what our plans are here at IFA to. Pray about voting your values, as we always do. Let's praise God for the opportunity to come before Him yet another year and pray and then receive for this great nation. Amen. Well, if you're a frequent follower of Intercessors for America and our Constitutional Corner, you know my usual partner in crime, uh, Dr. Cynthia Dunbar, is with me on the Constitutional Corner, and she is recovering from food poisoning. So, <clears throat> excuse me, at the last minute, she had to cancel. But I tell you what, um, I, the person that we have today with us is absolutely no slouch, and she's more than re- a replacement. She is adequate in all that she does. You know her well, Judy McDonnell. Let's, Judy, let's bring you in.
1: Thanks, Dave, for that introduction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Greetings to you. Uh, if you don't know Judy McDonough, she is our editor in chief, and she hosts the usual Tuesday prayer time. In addition to that, she has her own Doctor of Jurisprudence, and she uh, completed law school. And she, not only that, did that, but she passed the bar in two states: Virginia, where we, uh, where we all live here. Uh, IFA's HQ, but also California. Right, Judy? Yep, one member right. in the state.
1: I, I like to say uh, the two hardest bar exams. California is the longest and Virginia has the most subjects. So, um, yeah, something, one of those fun facts.
0: Well, I'm excited to talk with you today <clears throat> about the Constitution. And so let's jump right into it. Is that Okay. Right? okay. Well, there's a lot of talk today, obviously, going on in our nation about President Trump being removed from ballots all across this nation. And he has in a couple of different states. And some dates states have said that they want to do it, but then they don't want to do it. So let, let's delve into this. And the, the rationale is, is that he is he was a part of he was involved in an insurrection. So let's give a little bit of historical uh, context to this, and then Judy's going to unravel my my points and give us a constitutional look at it. But uh, it was in the 1920s when a gentleman by the name of Eugene Debs ran for president. He ran for president actually from prison in Atlanta. He was serving a 10-year term for espionage. He not only was on ballots all across the United States, but he received one million votes for a crime, the crime of espionage, of which he was convicted of. So Judy, the the claim today is that Donald J. Trump, the previous president, he was a part of an insurrection at least that's some people's opinions and so they're removing him from the ballot some people say that this has no legal standing because it's just people's opinion and it is clear election fraud so judy help us unravel this issue
1: okay i'll try um and I, I want to say at the start is I have a little different perspective, having gone to law school, I was thinking about this. I took constitutional law like every lawyer has. Yeah. It's an entire year course, not just a semester, but for an entire year you study it. You take an exam, a three hour long exam that you are graded on. It's um, so it's interesting to me sometimes when I hear people talk about these things, and I think, gee, some of these things you could debate and study for months and still maybe there is going to be a difference of opinion against it between people who have sincere um and intelligent brains so my number one is we need to be praying for the supreme court because this case there's no law colorado they didn't have any law there's so many questions here they they tried to, well, they made their ruling based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And Cynthia and I went over this. You and Cynthia have gone over this. That's where the insurrection thing, people can read it, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. So it's basically a clean judicial slate. And Colorado, the judges were asked to decide whether the provision applies to the presidency, who has standing to sue, what counts as engaging in an insurrection, What kind of process is due? Of course, we're all afforded due process. So so what does that mean? And most important, what counts as an insurrection in the first place? So you have these Colorado justices who themselves said it was uncharted. But here's a problem. Four of the justices were appointed by Democrats. So you have four justices deciding something about a president that they probably don't like. So it's problematic. And as I found one... um, and I'm quoting from a Yale law professor, and I just know some of you are thinking, well, Yale's very liberal, but it's th- that is making my point because it is known to be a liberal law school. And he said, we don't know if Mr. Trump engaged in constitutional wrongdoing. And then he talked about, well, what's an instruction? What about the Black Lives Matter riot where Ayanna Pressley, the representative, said there needs to be unrest in the streets. She's still serving. Kamala Harris said and this is a quote, everyone beware because they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop before election day in November, and they're not going to stop after election day, and they should not. Hmm. And then Maxine Waters called the 1992 riots and insurrection, and she was part of egging them on. So in a way I answered you, and in a way I didn't answer you. you Go ahead.
0: I'm sorry to break in, but just revisit Article 14, Section 3 of our Constitution. Give us a little more detail on that so we can make our opinion on it.
1: Okay. Um, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says I'm quoting, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office. Civil or military, under the United States or under any state, who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof but Congress may by a vote of two-thirds of each house remove such disability. So it's all convoluted, but basically it says, if you ever took an oath to uphold the Constitution Mm -hmm. and then you engage in insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution, then you go back to the beginning, you will not be able to hold office. So it's, Mm -hmm. and that's it. And Cynthia did a, a masterful job on this that insurrection requires opposition to the execution of a law. And President Trump actually wanted the Constitution to be followed mm. on that day, January 6th. Yeah, and morning. then <clears throat> um, the founders were war- warned us about the misuse of sedition charges against political opponents. And sedition is very similar to insurrection. So that answers you. That's what's in the Constitution. The, the problem is who's going to enforce this Mm -hmm. how you know there are questions in how it's going to be applied and what justices are going to do with what colorado did with what maine did and three other states said we can't do it so there's a difference among the states about how to move forward with this
0: well and not only how they move forward but what they've done if i understand correctly colorado was some judges but In Maine, it was just the Secretary of State that made an arbitrary decision by, her. I think it's herself. So Judy, give us a little little more historical context. You and I were talking a little bit ago about something happened after the Civil War that might shed light legally on today's events.
1: So there's so little precedent, but there are two precedents of this being used, and they're both post-Civil War, and one was Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy, and the other was all the Confederate officers, many of whom had taken oaths um, in, for the United States before they served in the Confederacy and the Confederate um, rebellion in, in the Army or whatever branch. So it's interesting because the same justice... So back then you would have justices ride circuits basically. And they would go around and answer these important questions on their own. So this is Justice, um, I think it's pronounced Salomon Chase, but it looks more like Salmon. But he said for Jefferson Davis, he said, so the question is, I wanna step back. The question has to do with whether the states need an action from Congress to determine whether someone was part of an insurrection or whether this part of the Constitution will apply. So in the case of Jefferson Davis, he said no. The state didn't need um, anything. I forget. I'm looking for the phrase. Well, anyway, the state could just act. But then when the Confederate soldiers, a year later, that issue brought up, he said no. Uh, The state would need something from congress and and his reason was the chaos that would ensue if judges and other people serving across the states were suddenly all their decisions were called into question so in one sense it was pragmatic and that is a question it's a question for our justices some are very pragmatic. In other words, they do what they think is best. And that has been problematic on so many levels for decades. And others just want to stick to the original um, words. But as we talked, there's not really enough here to decide all these questions. So at some point, someone's going to be making law, which happens with our system. Um, So it's to me, Dave, this is such, there's so much need for prayer.
0: Mm, yeah,
1: so much need to pray that our justices would hear from God. So if I do.
0: if I understand you correctly, <clears throat> there was the, the case after the Civil War. Two. Um, the southern states uh, were, after the war was over, a number of them who came, obviously all the states came back into the Union, but there were a number of officers, army officers and whatever, who would go on and serve as as congressmen and judges and, and, and whatever. And uh, they at any point in time could be disqualified because they were part of insurrection because they were a part of the, the Southern army. And so the decision was, was what in that case, that, that what, what did the, what did the Supreme court decide or not
1: decide? So okay, I found the phrase. It has to do with self-executing, and this is where it gets—you know—it's we're in the weeds. But is Mm -hmm. Section Three self-executing? In other words, the state can just follow it. So in the second case, what the justice said is, um, some of the former rebels had gone on to hold judgeships or government office after Mm -hmm. the war, Mm -hmm. and his concern was that all their official actions would be considered invalid. So it's interesting; he wasn't concerned about them. Personally, he was concerned about the chaos, the administrative chaos that it would do mm-hmm. if all of a sudden you're like everything that judge did, you know, since the Civil War is invalid. Mm-hmm. It would be unsustainable. It would mm-hmm. it w- And it would also perhaps throw a nation that had just come through chaos back into chaos.
0: Yeah, well, so let's go ahead and pray about this, and we're going to pray about the Supreme Court <clears throat> here in just a minute. But, but Father, we pray against this spirit of chaos that is um, battling against our nation's constitution, and for the uh, attempt of the enemy of our souls, the enemy of the spiritual enemy of this nation to tear apart uh, our nation uh, from a, a constitutional standpoint. So, Father, we specifically come to you. Lord, we know that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. So, Father, we pray against the spirit of chaos right now. Amen.
1: Amen. Dave, I want to make a point that mm-hmm. all, almost all of the legal proceedings that President Trump is involved in have to do with this, as so many seem politically motivated, that there's efforts um, on so many levels uh, to get to a certain result, and that is that President Trump is legally disqualified Mm -hmm. from serving another term. And it's sad to me because um, it is a kind of chaos already.
0: Yeah. Well, so I want to develop that very point. Um, And and the point is, the the underlying principle is, is that the end justifies the means for some. And for some people on the left and some people on the right, that is their perspective, that whatever we have to do to accomplish uh, the end that we have in mind. And so people with that perspective on the left are battling to get Trump removed from ballots across this nation. And since then, we have seen conservative states and conservative leaders begin talking about removing President Biden from ballots across this nation. Also, and the claim is, is that their opinion is, is that he has committed treason by having an open border. And you know, whether you have that opinion or not, you can certainly build that case. It, it's an opinion, and and the, and it's both left and right, using whatever they can do in order to accomplish the ends that they have in their minds. And this just builds on the concept of chaos that is coming against this nation. If the means justify the end, then you'll do anything. And chaos would would ensue. So I want to give you a date, February the 8th the United States Supreme Court will have oral hearings on this particular issue. We'll cover it so you'll know who's going to be um, arguing, who's going to be presenting during that case. But it is absolutely critical. February the 8th is absolutely critical for the sake of our nation, for the Supreme Court to enter in and make a decision on this. And uh, the date that they... Uh, I don't know if this is official or anticipated. Super Tuesday is is April the fifth. And so the talk is is that they will release uh, their decision before April the fifth. So as Judy and I have been talking, it's it's critical that the Supreme Court weighs in on this issue. They will hear arguments on February, the eighth, and make a decision on April by April the fifth. So, so Judy, let's pray specifically for the Supreme Court, for those oral arguments, and for the decision, and then we'll go to all pray. Judy, can you lead us?
1: Yes, um, Lord. As as Dave was talking, I was just immediately remembering Dobbs, the Dobbs case, and how it was leaked and there was there was chaos in the supreme court and i'm it's not lost on me and all of us lord that these justices whom president trump promised us that he would nominate originalist justices and he did he made good on that promise and so we are praying we prayed those men and women in and now we pray for them and all the justices lord and we pray for justice, we pray for order, we pray for your will to be done in this and all cases um, surrounding it. Thank you for the platform you've given IFA and for all those prayers when Dobbs was being heard, we prayed for months, Lord, for each justice by name. We pray now, this is an expedited schedule, we pray, Lord God, for protection, for provision, and that you would speak to your people. Holy Spirit, inspire us with um, exactly the prayers that are in accordance with your intercession for us and for our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Dave, could I say one other thing about lawyers and the fact that all these legal attempts to uh, keep President Trump from running for president. Well, there's a joke about, um, you know, what's someone asks a group of people, what's two plus two, and the accountant says it's four. And the engineer says, I need more information. And the lawyer says, what do you want it to be? That's exactly the spirit we're praying against. Because the legal profession, there are many who think that their job as lawyers is to manipulate the law to achieve a desired re- Result, It's exactly what you said, Dave. The ends justify the means. So we did this in Dobbs, and I think it would make sense to pray for the lawyers who are arguing both sides mm-hmm. of the cases, that they would have integrity and they would have as their goal the, what's best for this nation and and the law and, you know, that there would be a purity of heart. Uh, I mean, this seems like a big prayer, right? Because we all know jokes about lawyers and we maybe know some lawyers. Um, But that the whole process would be pure and would be what the Lord wants for our nation.
0: Well, absolutely. And follow us at ifapray.org. If you haven't signed up for our uh, email alerts, please do so so that you can get updates on this case and so many other prayer points. So important to our nation. Well, Judy, let's turn to now election um, issues, uh, other election issues in terms of caucuses and Mm -hmm. and primaries. And um, So um, I wrote an article, Yippies, a Pig for President and the Iowa Caucus, uh, a little catchy title. And I talked um, in that article, if you haven't seen it, go to ifpray.org and check on it. And uh, in that article, I first raised the point: What's the difference between a caucus and a primary? A caucus. If you watched the news last night, you saw people in the frigid state of Iowa go to gymnasiums across their state and and caucus. They had an the opportunity to hear from each other and sit in the room, and then they cast their 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 ballots. It's not a statewide in terms of a state-run government-run um, uh, election. It's done on-site. You have to go to a site in order to place your your vote. Now, there are six states that have caucuses and the rest have primaries. And a primary is a state run, statewide election where you go to the typical balloting process. I've never lived in a state that has a caucus, so I find that really interesting and it was interesting to watch um, the news last night. Well, the Iowa caucus is the uh, historically, the very first one, it was in the 1800s when people from across Iowa, you know, I guess, and uh, horse and buggy would go to probably churches, I would imagine. That was probably the only um, gathering places that were in every single county back in those days that were accessible. And um, and they would meet together and they would do just that. They would talk about politics uh, caucuses and then primaries that came later on were not really prominent. They were just opportunities for people to <clears throat> express their opinion. But then the 1968 Democratic convention occurred, and um, many of you uh, alive are can remember that and the the terrible riots that were in Grant Park that resulted in violence and so many people um, being. Um, arrested and all, but if you don't remember, there was a group of people called the Yippies who attended some rally, and as a speaker was presenting his points, uh, everybody said, Yippie, and so they got titled the Yippies, and they they had representation at the Democratic National Convention, and they nominated a pig. I don't know if we got a picture... Excuse me there it is <clears throat> a picture of a pig named Pegasus who they nominated for president there he is right there that pig ran for president in 1968 at the democratic national convention well the chaos that uh, ensued at the 68 convention democratic convention <clears throat> resulted in democratic Policies and, and rules and regulations for transparency and and being more formal in this nomination process and you know do we want to have a political system where you can nominate a pig for president I think was a question that many people asked and so that's when the importance and the primacy of caucuses and primaries occurred after that particular 68 Democratic National Convention, and Iowa, with its historically being the first one, has been on the calendar ever since as the very first calendar, with the short exception of North Carolina uh, a couple of years ago. So so Judy, how would I do there in presenting the, the caucus and the history of caucuses?
1: Well, it, it's so great and you make it sound so inviting to go sit and talk. And I, I think there's something charming about that. But you also did a great job explaining about the yippies who were radicals.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, it just occurred to me they named they named a pig for president. Well, at the time, what did they call police? They called police pigs. And to me, I'm encouraged to know there were the similar uh, problems in the culture the tension between the the police force and people who, um, you know, like maybe a lot of IFA people who felt like the young generation was going off the rails and you know, all sorts of political strife. So to me, it's encouraging. And I thought your article was very encouraging and I'm glad we're gonna talk about your performance in a minute, but there is nothing new under the sun. And it's encouraging to know America's gotten through times like this before, and we will get through this again. And that our principles and our laws have really done well by us, and they will continue to do so. Um, I think for me, that makes me less afraid, less anxious, and more faithful.
0: Well, let's develop the uh, the three points, the three prayer points that were in the article, and then we'll go to all pray. And then Chris is going to join us. We're going to talk about the actual results of the Iowa caucus and. Our 2020, our 2024 lead program, uh, vote your values. So, Judy and saw I the Lord part of my heart, Psalm 139. And I raised these, I the Lord pulled out these three points <laughs> that God it has the antidote for anxiety, and that's found in verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts of God. As David thought about the wickedness within his land and all of the pressures and problems that he had, he was reminded by God that, his, that God's thoughts are precious. So number one, God is the antidote to our anxiety as we consider 2024. But not only that, that we can trust God to act. In Psalm 139, verse 19, it says, if only you, God would slay the wicked. David Mm -hmm. trusted in God to act as we do in this day and age. And then point number three in Psalm 139 verse 24, which is David's conclusion, God leads those of us who ask him, ask him, lead me in your way everlasting. And I think as the Lord put on my heart, Judy, those three points, that God is the antidote to our anxiety, that We can trust him to act. And then number three, that he will lead us as we consider um, this election this year. Psalm 139 is a great reminder of those three points. Did you want to pray through those?
1: Yeah. And I want to say, Dave, I really am in total agreement with you on this. People, you know, we're talking about things that make people anxious. We're talking about the legal battles with Trump. We're talking about election 2024. People are anxious. And I loved how you very clearly said, God has an answer. And, you know, I loved that we were starting election 2024 with this focus that of your three points. And it's not just me. Roy posted on your article. He said, thank you for sharing, Dave. Mm. Those anxious thoughts I have seem to be a red flag that I should look to the Lord and his word mm. and get regrounded. That's it. Then, of course, intercede and engage. He That's couldn't it. have said it better. That's what our hope is. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I'd love to pray. Lord, show us your thoughts. Um, we know your thoughts as the psalmist said, are precious to us. And we know that they're not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. So show us your thoughts about the election, about all the legal battles and um, the push for chaos that we as intercessors are asking you to stand against and defeat. Lord, we can trust you. We're asking you to act in our nation and we can trust you. You will act. We pray, Lord God, that throughout this year, um, That you would be moving and acting and showing us how you have moved and acted. And finally, Lord, we ask you to lead us. Lead us, the leadership of IFA, as we bring coverage of Election 2024. Lead our justices, Lord. Lead President Trump, President Biden, all the candidates on both parties. Lord, if you were leading everyone, imagine um, how wonderful it would be, how we could have good debates. Lord, lead our leaders, and um, and it's you and in, in your precious name, we exalt and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, I want to thank Judy for joining me today as we've discussed the con- constitutional aspects of what is happening in our nation. Now, I want to go to our election headquarters. We're going to bring in Chris Kubal, my wife of 35 years. What's going on?
2: Well, we are just breaking it down and and keeping tabs on what's happening and keeping ahead of what is coming up. I feel uh, like we
0: should have like a little ticker underneath you in in IFA's election HQ, right?
2: We do have the capability to do that. So watch out. We just may start (laughs) employing that as we talk about that.
0: Well, we need to do that well chris break down the iowa caucus for us what happened last night what was the votes in how does it all work i I think i heard that the now first of all the democrats decided to do mail-in ballots so we won't know about that for i don't know days or weeks or whatever but the republican caucus needs winner needs to have 1215 delegates
2: win the nomination. How in the world
0: does that work?
2: Well, they, they those, um, like you said, out of 2,500 delegates, they needed to have 12, 15 to win the nomination. And then they're parceled out to the winners and, and actually... Uh, In looking at, um, let me take a look, I've got several screens here going on, on how this was parceled out, but far and away, President Trump had like a a huge number ahead. The next person in line, I think was, um, let me pull that screen
0: Governor DeSantis. Up. If I remember, Governor right. DeSantis, yes. And then, and then it
2: went to 2%, uh, or 2%, two percent, not two percent, to delegates. So it was a blowout by any um, stretch of the imagination. Well, so
0: Chris, I'm sorry. Help me, help me picture this. That across the state of Iowa, in 99 counties, not 100, but actually, actually 99, in gymnasiums and in public halls in every single county. Oh, look at that. Oh, we got a little ticker across the bottom. Nice, Fagan. Ah. yeah, <laughs> showing off now, buddy. Um, in 99 counties all across the state of Iowa, last night, starting at eight o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Central, there, I, I think around a hundred thousand Iowans met in these, in these, in these rooms, and mm-hmm. they had debates, they had v- speeches, and they talked, and then the 100,000 or so voted mm-hmm. and that resulted in 2500 delegates that were given the power to place how does that work, that part work
2: it's kind of like a mini um, a mini um... Uh, what's the word for the electoral? So it's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a they're represented by these delegates. You are, and so if you can kind of picture in layman's terms, and somebody's probably going to say that it's not accurate, but in for layman's terms, it's kind of like that. And so people are um, representing those people who are voting the mass numbers. The interesting thing that happened yesterday, although it was not the largest turnout, um, that was back, at the last election where there was the largest turnout, mm-hmm. but they had huge weather um, obstacles yeah. yesterday. It was freezing temperatures. They were wondering if they were going to see um, any kind of a, a turnout. But um, I know our state leader, Tom McGovern, who wrote a great article uh, for IFA's newsfeed, he was asking for prayer for people coming out to vote and he said it was amazing that they were uh, people were going to pick people up they were sharing rides people that may have had trouble you know getting out elderly people, people with problems with ice and snow people were all working together so there was a lot of unity and there was a lot of interest even though there were record temperatures and some crazy weathers to weather to overcome so they felt like it was a real success.
0: So it's really no surprise what happened. I think we all um, expected the outcome that <clears throat> President Trump overwhelmingly won. The last numbers I saw at 6 o'clock this morning or whatever, I think a thirty po- had 30 points on Governor DeSantis and um, uh, 20 or so on uh, – no, it would be more than, uh, than that on Nikki Haley. And uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy has now left um, – mm-hmm the race and he's no longer running, you know, I, um, Chris Christie
2: has also stepped out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A while back. Right.
2: (laughs) He was still on the ballot for the, he was still on the ballot and received zero, but officially he Uh, is out.
0: So I don't think there's any surprise. Um, what, what occurred? So, uh, what's next, what's next in terms of caucuses or primaries, where are we headed from here?
2: Well, where we're headed next is New Hampshire. And it it has a storied um, history, just like Iowa. Uh, New Hampshire prides itself in being the first primary. Iowa has the caucus. And so it's a little different process, but it is a full-fledged primary. And that is going to be happening on um, Tuesday, January 23rd. And it is um, unlike some Primaries where it may just be a Democratic primary, may just be a Republican primary. This is a combined primary for both sides. Um, So that will be happening. When I touched base with our New Hampshire state leader, and by the way, just a plug for our state program, we have a spiritual correspondence in all 50 states by these state leaders they're on in touch with what's happening on the ground but not just on the news but because they're praying they're also our prayer correspondence and spiritual you know kind of here feeling the spiritual uh, climate of what's happening and so what we heard from our um, state leaders in New Hampshire is um, last time there was some obvious election fraud connected to voter machine tampering in the town of Wyndham, New Hampshire. It's believed that tampering also happened in other towns as well. People rose up, they see it exposed, but they were shut down by elected official or officials that were running it. So since that time, Four years ago, they have been praying for election integrity and especially praying for the secretary of state, who, as we know, secretaries of state preside over the election process for every state. So that should be the person in your state that you are regularly praying for this year because they are the ones who adjudicate and, you know, over the, all the process. And so they're praying fervently for fair, fair and honest elections and for corruption to be exposed here in New Hampshire. And if you wanna join in to pray for New Hampshire Secretary of State, it's David Scanlon. And we can add him to our prayer list for January 23rd. I want to just backtrack one second if I could, because mm-hmm. I want to give people who prayed for Iowa, I want to give them a little bit of a, a um, an answer to what they were praying about when they received mm-hmm. your article and Tom's article in our Monday email. Here is what Tom said during the caucuses. He said, we can feel your prayers. The Holy Spirit is on the move. Hmm. And then this morning he reports, Iowa is quiet this morning. No texts, calls, or emails. Perfect shalom. Thank you for your prayers. Reese Howell's prayer diverted the plans Hmm. of Hitler, and we are living in a Reese Howell moment in history. Hmm. Our prayer... Prayers are powerful and effective. The Holy Spirit hears everything. So, that encouragement wow. that they could sense the prayer and that there is faith that God is on the move, we're going to pray that for every state as we move forward.
0: Well, speaking of moving forward, let's talk about Vote Your Values. Uh, we're officially kicking it off here in a month or so. And when we do, what will that look like? What's our goals and aims of Vote Your Values 2024?
2: Well, Dave, we couldn't be more excited about Vote Your Values 2024. We are kicking it off at the end of this month. Um, That is the target that we have, and we're going to be adding new features as we roll along in the, the first few months of the whole process. Uh, It is prayer and action central, basically for praying not only for the election, but we're going to be praying for those citizens who hold our values, but who are not regularly voting. We're bringing that feature back. We're going to be praying for those who are administering the election process in our states, including those secretaries of state and we're going to be praying about the integrity of the process. We are going to give you an opportunity to blanket in prayer, and we're gonna try to make it fun and pull people along with sounds, and you can kind of see how many people you've prayed for, and you can start to see how prayer is massively covering the map. We're focusing on those counties in those states that have the opportunity to turn the election because they're pivotal counties so that we've come to learn through studies. And so that will be the focus of praying for those voters. But I want to say we're also going to be involving our prayer groups our state leaders from every state and we'll even be holding live events in several of those key states to pray together in person so watch for information about that it is a way for you to become involved in what's happening with the 2024 election
0: so if you were part of our vote your values in 2020 election What happened was on your phone, we presented a map of likely voters, maybe not highly likely voters who share our values. And we can know what people's values are based on public record, voting record and demographics and and those kind of things. And then we put up a a name and then we put an approximate geo location for where they are. And we asked the IFA community to pray for those 2 million people. Well, we recorded nearly 10 million votes where people prayed for Jim and Sally and Sue and looked on the map and saw approximately where they live. Of course, for security purposes, we don't want to put exactly where they live. But we was prayed for them. 10 million
2: prayers, 10 million prayers, not votes.
0: We yeah, 10 million, million prayers. In. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And so... Um, You know, you could say, well, the election didn't turn out the way we thought. And, you know, you can talk a lot about, you know, election integrity, whatever. But I can tell you this. Statistically, it was a record turnout of evangelical voters. In 2016, there was the previous record of some 72 million evangelical voters and in in 2020 election, there were 78 million. So nearly, what is that? Nearly a 10 percent increase. And we're grateful for the opportunity to pray for that increase, and we will continue to pray for that increase. And we'll put that um, that map on our app, in addition to all the other things that Chris mentioned, along with the schedule of primaries and caucuses, and and keep you all up to date. So. Well, we're at the top of the hour, and we need to transition here and let you all go. But we wanted you to be aware of our Vote Your Values that will be kicking off here um, in just a short couple of weeks. And we wanted to do that the day after the presidential campaign officially kicked off with the Iowa caucus. So, Chris, why don't you pray for Vote Your Values? We'll do one all pray, and we'll let everybody go. Chris, lead us in prayer.
2: Thank you, Father, that you give us creativity, that it's through you that we get inspiration and ideas on how we can leverage uh, our community to do something that's meaningful and moves the needle and Lord puts action to our prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, the body who wants to do something. Many, many people that are out there in the intercessory community who are saying, just tell me what to do. And so, Lord, we are excited about what we are about to embark on. And Lord, we just pray as we've prayed for inspiration to create it. Now we're asking you, Lord, as we've heard your voice, that you would bless it. Lord, we pray that there would be an amazing reception, that there would be great involvement. Lord, we pray that not only would there be prayer, but there would be action, that people would get involved in election watching and vote watching and uh, volunteering and um, all of those things, Lord, that make it important for us as civic, as our civic duty. Father, we want to honor you and we wouldn't want to leave anything out on the field. So Lord, uh, we're asking you to direct us all. And we thank you for uh, crazy ideas like this where we can use our phones and our computers to pray for people we don't even know, that they would hear your voice and that they would do what is needed to stand for biblical values in 2024. We give it all to you, Lord. We thank you for using it. It's in your name we pray. Jesus, amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Constitutional Corner, the monthly edition as we delve into constitutional issues. Thank you so much for joining us and continue to pray with us every Tuesday, every Thursday, and every first Friday as we intercede for this great country until we're able to be together. again.